Take your Bible, and I want you to go to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number 2. To be honest with you, these other preachers will understand what I'm saying. I really kind of struggled uh, this morning with what I'm going to preach to you. I love your pastor, and I love his wife, I love his family. Uh, this church has been so good to me and my family. And uh, I thank you. I could not thank you enough. You've prayed for us, and you've loved us, you've sacrificed and given to us. And I made a statement yesterday. I, uh, this week, we've stood by some friends of ours as they've gone through one of the hardest seasons of their life, stood by a preacher who's lost his wife. We've stood by children that have lost their mother. And, um, and uh, my wife lost her best friend this week. And, uh, and we went to funerals and visitations and burials and, and all that kind of stuff. But last night, they had already had it planned. and They had a benefit for the family and they wanted to go with the people doing the benefit, wanted to go ahead and do it, so they did. And last night, Brother Ricky, they raised 11, right shy of $11,000 uh, for that missionary family, for the Earwood family. And, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I, I ain't been ugly. Last night, I was proud to be a child of God because God's people just stepped up to the plate. Amen. And I got so tickled, they took the offering up and they handed it to me and said, we want you to present it to Brother Earwood. And it was, I think it was... Uh, $5,906. And so I had that, that money bag with all that money in there. And I was coming up to the microphone to present that. And Brother Sammy uh, Allen was sitting on the front pew. And, uh, and so anyhow, he said, that, and of course, he said, he calls me dear brother. He said, dear brother, just a second. And I thought, mm -hmm, I know where this is going. Amen. <laughs> Uh, and anyhow, I looked down, and he had a little piece of paper somebody had slipped to him. And uh, I, so I said, go ahead, preacher. He said, how many of you good people believe that we can get $10,000? Uh, he said, uh, he said uh, raise your hands. Well, they raised their hands. He said, now stand up. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. We finished almost $11,000, amen. And anyhow, and I ain't been ugly, but some of them folks there, they were, and, and don't take me wrong when I say this, because I used to travel in that crowd, but they were just them, them singer crowd. They just travel around, follow these buses, and just go to these singings and all that kind of stuff. And I ain't been up. Some of them got real nervous, amen. And they did. I was sitting back there, and there was a woman sitting next to me. And uh, it, it, Brother Sammy got to asking for dollars, and she looked, I, was, I seen her pull her wallet out. I seen her count a 20, a 10, and several fives, and she looked at me. She said, I don't have a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, if she hadn't called the law, I'd have reached over and grabbed what she had and just run off with it, amen. <laughs> but anyhow, but they did. It was a blessing. It was a blessing. And uh, I want to say something to you. I want to say something to you this morning that God really has burdened my heart about. And, and, and I said this a while ago, you other preachers understand, you sort of, you sort of wrestle in your heart. Uh, and it's not that it's a bad thing, but you just so hunger to be able to say something to be a help to God's people. And I want to say this this morning in, in our ministry, that's my desire. I'll be honest with you, I, God's people are the best people. Amen. God's people are the best people. And I mean that. I, I'm, I'm, if you don't think that, you ought to get in an altar this morning and get your attitude adjusted. God's people ain't perfect people, but God's people are the best people. Amen. It's God's people who's loved me. 
uh, when I've been wounded, when I've been hurt, when I, it's God's people that have sacrificed and given to me, uh, that's put the clothes on my back and the shoes on my feet. It's God's people uh, that's prayed me through dark days and hard times. It's God's people who's done that. The world didn't care. The world laughed. The world mocked. Amen. Some one of the preachers this morning said something about the world will just leave you and it'll just walk off from you. And that's the truth. They will. But God's people's always been there for me. Amen. Amen. The Bible said in the book of First uh, Timothy, chapter number two. I want to read these six verses, and actually may read a couple more, but I really want to read these first six. And I want to challenge you this morning, and I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to jump over a lot of this message because there's one thought that's kind of piercing my, my heart and I'm going to get to, and I, I've used this message. I have preached an entire week-long series out of this message, but this morning I want to get to a place, and that's what I want to deal with this morning. And the Bible said this in verse number, chapter number 2, verse number 1. It said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. I think a lot of preachers have missed that verse in the day in which we live. They're not happy if there's not turmoil or, or animosity or all those things kind of stirred. And I'll be honest, we're living in a day where some even boast and brag about their their, their uh, presence stirring up those kind of things. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. He said that we should lead quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved. The preacher just told us that. And come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Go ahead and skip down, if you would, to verse number 8, and I want to read that verse 2. The Bible said this, Paul speaking to Timothy, he said, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and, uh, without wrath and doubting. The Lord, help me, I'm interested in these first six verses, and I, this is what I want to preach to you on this thought this morning. I want to preach to you on the power of a praying church. And I want to say this, I, I used to come to the place and think, well, I, I don't need to preach that there. I know that church and maybe I know that pastor and I, I know those people. But the fact of the matter is, is this, I don't think we can remind God's people too much about the importance of prayer in our lives. I want to make a statement. I was, I was thinking this morning, Brother Freed was preaching, and, and, I, and I looked over at my wife, and I said, give me a pen, and there, there things just got to are running through my mind, and, and I pulled out my bulletin, and I was writing this on the back of the bulletin. When we neglect the scriptures, we profess to God that we're willing to live without his wisdom. When we neglect prayer, we're telling God that we're willing to live without his fellowship. When we neglect fasting, we tell God that we're willing to operate without his power. You say, preacher, that, that's a pretty narrow-minded idea and, and, and thought line, but the fact of the matter is that's it because there's three things he tells us in his word uh, and he deals with those things. He didn't say when you pray and he didn't say when you uh, when you or if you fast or when you pray. He said when you pray and when you fast. Can I say something? We're living in a day where we have resolved and we have agreed to live underneath the ability that God has provided for us. Right. Amen. 
Hey, you say, preacher, what you say? I'm saying this. God, help us to get back to the place where we believe what the Bible said. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Uh, I, I want to say this this morning. If there ever was a time in the United States of America that we need praying churches, it's the day in which we live in. If there ever was a time whenever a church needs praying people, it's the day in which we live in. You say, oh, preacher, well, I, 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 I won't say this. Everybody believes in prayer, but we just don't do a whole lot of praying. Amen. And I want to say this right here because I'm going to deal with it because I'm trying to head somewhere. And like I said, I'm trying to, to go to, to weed through an entire week-long series of messages to get to one thought. But I want to make a statement right here. The fact of the matter is, is God's, your mindset, my mindset, uh, he told us this in his word. He said this, uh, the, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't say teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. We're living in a day where everybody's so concerned about a method. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I pray, you can hear me out there in the yard. Sometimes I pray, you can't hear me if you were standing right next to me. And then sometimes I pray just like I'm talking to my wife or my children. Can I say something this morning? God's not interested in your method. And don't you let the devil defeat you if you don't pray a certain way that somebody else prays or you're not loud or you're not, and let's just be honest, some people are, are theatrical and all that kind of stuff. That's not what is an evidence of prayer. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to pray. They said, Lord, just teach us to pray. They just got done watching him come from a season of prayer and all eyes has been on the Son of God. And then whenever he gets done, and, and no, the Bible doesn't tell us in what manner or method he prayed, but when he gets done, they said, Lord, we want you to teach us to do what you just did. Amen. I'll be honest with you, I, I preach to people every week that have resolved to quit praying. You say, oh, and I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't ask for a show of hands, but I want to be honest with you, there's been things in my life I've resolved to quit praying about. I say that to my shame. But I just, Brother Brian, I lost my faith. And I quit praying. There's some people I quit praying for. Amen. The Bible said this, there's three things I'll show you real quickly as a way of introduction. He said in verses 1 and 2, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Number one, I want to say this, we see the scope of our prayers. You say, preacher, who should I be praying for? Pretty much simplifies it all. It says all men. Can I say something? There's nobody that ought to be exempt from your praying. Can I tell you something? I don't know if, if y'all know Brother, Brother Bobby Stewart with Faith for America Ministries. I called or I texted Brother Bobby the other day and I said, I said, give me the, give me the top five uh, individuals that are opposing our president. He sent me a list back and, and I made a post on social media and I asked folks to join with me and to pray that God would silence them and, and God would, would, would stop them and that God would save them if they're not saved. Can I say something? It would, you'd be surprised how many posts I, I had to delete and take off because of, of people spewing vileness and hatred. I'll be honest with you. I, I ain't got no confidence in politics, but I've got a, a confidence in the God of the politicians. Amen. 
I've got confidence in the God of this world, and if he can save me, he can save them. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm telling you, we ought to be praying for everybody. And I want to say something today. If there's somebody that you can't pray for, then I want to say this more than likely. There's a lot of your prayers that's probably not being heard. Can I tell you something? I want to say this. The, the, Jesus taught us, and my minds are running in hundred different directions, and I'm trying not to get sidetracked, but Jesus taught us through the, through the testimony that he stood uh, set with Peter, and he said, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. Now, that's the Son of God, uh, the creator of the universe, the God of heaven, is conversing with Simon and reveals to him this great thing that's coming in his life. And Jesus looks at him. Who was it? The Son of God, the creator. All powers given unto him in heaven and earth. That's who he's talking to. That's who Peter is in the audience of. And Jesus said, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift his wheat. And Jesus reveals to him the greatest thing that one man can do for another. He said, but I've prayed for thee. Can I tell you something? There's been times where $100 bills wouldn't fix my problem. There's been times when houses and lands and possessions and things like that would not fix what I needed from God, but I'm telling you it's always been on time when some child of God would step up and say, preacher, I want you to know I'm praying for you. The Bible said this, the scope of our prayers. And I want to give you this. He uses uh, these four things. He uses uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks being made for all men. Can I say this? Can I, let me just break this down real quickly to you. Supplication speaks of desperate request. Prayers speak of daily request. Intercessions speak of directed request. And the giving of thanks speaks of a delightful request. Amen. You say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this, that we ought to be praying Amen. for one another. Can I tell you something? You know the demise of this church or any other church will be when you as God's people stop praying for each other. I'm going to show you, and that's where I'm headed in just a minute, and I believe that's the reason why that we are living in a day where we're not seeing the help that we need at the house of God, and I believe it's based in a prayer failure. Look what the Bible said. Verses 3 and 4, we see the scope of our prayers. Verses 3 and 4, we see the satisfaction of our prayers. He said, it's good and it's acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who would have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. Can I say something? It's pleasing to God when we pray. And I know, I know here we are at an at a anniversary service fixing to go into another room uh, with, a, with, a, with tables full of food. If it's like any other Baptist church, tables on top of tables on top of tables full of food. And we can fill a dining hall up when we have a, uh, something like that, but you call for a special prayer meeting and you'll get a skeleton crew. Right. Yes. Amen. If there's going to be some kind of a personal benefit that we are, uh, can see, lay our hands on, it's tangible, you can get people to come. But if it's not, if it's just something that's of a spiritual matter, most of the time you'll get a skeleton crew. We don't say this, if it pleases God, why is it that we don't want to do it? I'll be honest with you, I don't care what some, some people fall out with me over this, but this is the fact of the matter. My flesh opposes spiritual things. That's why it has to be brought into subjection. Amen. 
Amen. And I ain't been, I, I could take the time, but I'm not going to. If you'll look in verse number one, when he said, I exhort therefore, what's the, what's the principle that we all study the word of God by? When you see the word therefore, see what it's there for? And if you'll go back to the first chapter, just a few verses back, he said this, he deals about a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. And he said, because the fact of the matter is that there's some concerning faith have made shipwreck. That's why prayer is important. Because you're headed for a shipwreck without it. Amen. Number three, we see this, the scope of our prayers. We see the satisfaction of our prayers. But then, then thirdly this, we see the sovereign of our prayers. For there's one God. Yes. Can I tell you something? When we pray, we're not talking to just some little idol on the wall. Amen. When I pray, I get to talk to the God of heaven. Amen. I mean, it blows my mind, people. Uh, and I'm talking about professing Christian, Bible-believing people. Uh, they get to talking about wanting to meet a celebrity and wanting to meet some movie star. And, and, and I, I've never been understood, never really understood why somebody's so enamored with somebody who lives a life of fakeness and a fictitious lifestyle, presenting themselves, playing the roles of people who are not even real, genuine people. But I mean, we ooh and we ah and we get so amazed at the thoughts of just meeting those individuals. Oh, yes, it would be an honor and it would be a respect if I had the privilege to meet the President of the United States. Do I agree with everything he does? No. Do I agree with his foul language and his, and his, and his lewd actions sometimes? No, I don't. But it would still, it would be an honor to meet the President of the United States. But I'm telling you, I would find no greater glory in that than the privilege that I get up in the morning and I can bow my head and talk to the God of heaven. I step before the the throne of the sovereign creator of this universe and he bids me to come he bids me to come and he says tell me speak to me talk to me fellowship with me if I met the president today I wouldn't say hey Don how you doing I'm going to go ahead I'm just going ahead and say it if I'd had the privilege to meet President Obama, I would not have said, hey, Hussein. <laughs> hey, insane. Amen. Insane Hussein. I would have said, hello, President. It's an honor to meet you. You say, why? Because I'm commanded. That, that I, can, I, can I say this? I don't want to make a statement right here. The people that you earnestly pray for, you will not critically attack or harmfully criticize. The people that you earnestly pray for, you will not critically attack or harmfully criticize. Amen. The sovereign of our prayers. When I pray, I get to talk to the God of heaven. I don't know about you, but what blows my mind is that he's got time for me. Amen. What's the significance, Brother Stacey? Why, why is it important? How can I and how can we as a church be a powerful praying church? And we'll say three things. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to get to my last one. And I've got about 10 minutes and I'm headed that way. Number one, I'll say this. Luke chapter number 11. These are familiar verses. I'm going to just run through these to get to the last one. Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter number 11, and, and, and you know that verses 1 and 2, I just, I just quoted them to a partial. 
Luke chapter number 11, verses 1 and 2. It's what the Bible said. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven. And we'll stop right there because I want to give you this principle right quick. Number one, they said what? Lord, teach us to pray. Not teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. There's three things I want to identify. Number one, look what they said. They used that word Lord. That word Lord means this. It means master. The word Lord means owner, overseer. The word Lord means the one in charge. Whenever they, when he gets done praying, he comes to them and they acknowledge him as Lord. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, master, owner, overseer, the one in charge, teach us to pray. I want to say this. Number one, they approach him how? They approach him as a servant would approach his master. Now, I want to say something. When they approached him in this manner, was that improper? Was that incorrect? Was that an incorrect way to approach him? No, it was not. What does a servant approach his master for? A servant approaches his master for what? For direction. Because a servant doesn't choose his own path. A servant follows the path of his master. And so they approached him and they said, Lord, we need your direction in this area of prayer. Number two, they use this word, Lord. Then they use the word teach. Now, what does that word teach imply? That word in teach implies this, that they are students. They are willing to be students, should I say it that way. And they're willingly, they're submitting themselves unto a teacher. They come to him as a servant would have come to a master for direction. But now they have come to him as a student submitting themselves to a teacher. And what does a student gain from his teacher? He gains wisdom. So now they've said, Lord, we want your direction in prayer that we may pray. We want your wisdom in prayer that we may pray. Did they approach him incorrectly? No, they did not. But what does Jesus say? And the Bible said they make this request, and I want you to look at this and understand there's no Bible narrator standing there reading the in-between parts. Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. There's nobody standing around saying, and he said unto them. But the Bible said, they said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Immediately, Jesus said, when you pray, say our Father. See what Jesus shows them and the foundational principle that he lays down in this act of praying, knowing to pray, not how to pray, but the fact of praying is not that I am your master, you are my servant, not that I am your teacher and you are my student, but the foundation and the authority that you and I have to pray from is that he is our father and we are his children. Amen. That ought to cause every child of God to stand up and say, hip, hip, hooray. Can I tell you something? I've not been a good servant sometimes. I've not been a good student sometimes. But I'm telling you, my father is always going to be my father and I'm going to always be his child. Since the day I got saved, nothing hell can do about it. He is my father. I'm his child. 
Can I tell you something? That little lady sitting back there next to her mama, she may get married one day, change her name. She may even go to the point where she tries to disassociate herself from being a Piercy altogether. But there's a fundamental principle that when her mother gave birth to her, she's mine and she's hers and there'll never be anything she can do to change that. We see the authority of our praying. Number two, we see the access of our praying. Hebrews, turn quick. Hebrews. <clears throat> chapter number four. The Bible said this, verse number four, chapter number four, verse number 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest which is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help the time of need. Three things we see here in verse number 14 we see is eternal inscription. The great high priest Jesus, the Son of God. Verse 15 we see his earthly insight. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, but he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But in verse number 16 we see this. He's easily entreated. Can I say something tonight? The fact that we have authority is wonderful, but what good would authority be without access? Amen. And he lays out that principle, and he said, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace yes. that we may what? Obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Yes. Can I tell you something? No matter whether it's in Tennessee, no matter whether it's in Georgia, no matter whether it's in Alabama, when I bow my head and begin to pray, immediately grace and mercy are there to meet my needs. You say, I don't got no money. You don't need money when you got grace and mercy. You say, I don't have any popularity. You don't need popularity when you got grace and you got mercy. You say, don't nobody know my name. They don't have to know your name when you know grace and mercy. I mean, you say, I, I, I mean, I don't have no opportunities. You don't have to have opportunities when you know grace and mercy. Amen. Number one, we see our authority. Number two, we see our access. Last thing, James chapter five, and I'm finished. James 5. You know this verse, but I'm going to talk to you about a part of it that is, that, that I'm going to say this, that I have been guilty in times past of overlooking, that even preaching this message, when God began to birth this in my heart, I have been guilty of overlooking. The Bible said this in the book of James. We have authority in prayer. That's how we can be a powerful prayer in church. We have access in prayer. But then I'm going to say this, we have availing in prayer. The Bible said this, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But I want to ask you a question. How is it that we've grown so, uh, so easy, how is it that it's become so easy to jump past the first part of that verse to get to the last part of that verse? Yes, sir. The Bible said this, verse number 16, confess your faults one to another. And look at this next statement. Pray one for another. Because that's the evident, that, that is the ingredient that's only going to bring the next part. That ye may be healed. Amen. Yes, sir. Samuel, I was in a little bit church down in Florida the other day. Wednesday night service, the pastor found out I was in the area. He called and asked me would I come, just preach to his Wednesday night crowd, small congregation. Anyhow, I was sitting there. Like you said, preacher, I had my Bible, 
I think the other brother made the statement, I had one message on my mind, something else come. And uh, I had my Bible, had my outline, had my plan of attack. And as I was sitting there, I, I, they, bought, they brought in a family came in that has uh, foster children. They come in with about six foster kids. Anyhow, we're sitting there, and the pastor said, Brother Stacy Vitar, are you? He said, I'm going to let you sing, let you preach, but I want to take prayer requests and do that before you come, and that way we won't have to interrupt you. And I said, preach whatever you want to do. And I'm sitting there, and everybody's standing up, and it's the typical prayer meeting service, you know. Uh, pray for this, you know, this sickness and that sickness and this situation, that situation. And all of a sudden, obviously, some, some little girl raised her hand, and uh, he said, young lady, he said, uh, he said, you with your hand raised, what, what's your prayer request? And this is what I heard next. She said, preacher, I want to ask the church to pray for me. She said, uh, I've been tempted. And she said, preacher, I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm backslid on God. And she said, preacher, I've sinned. And she said, Preacher, I want the church to pray for me. Amen. Ricky, I'm talking with a very broken attitude. And anyhow, I, and, I, and I didn't. I so bad wanted to look around and, and see which, which one, not, not just to know, but I wanted to see the one that had the courage. Yeah, right. Can I say something, church? You listen to me. I love you. I know the testimony of this church. I know, I, I know the ministry of that man right there and his love for God and God's word. But can I tell you something? I believe this. If there's anything in our churches, and I believe this is what has produced the ability that hidden sins destroy the lives of God's people is because that we don't confess our faults one to another. Amen. When was the last time that you just sat at the house of God and had a real old-fashioned confessing of sin. We laugh. We teach our kids, Brother Gravely. We teach our kids back in the Sunday school or the junior church, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. But we teach them that's good for them when they're little, but then we don't live by that as adults when we get it to the sanctuary. Can I tell you something? I believe this. I believe there's help and there's healing that we'll never know until we're willing to junk our pride and stand in the congregation of the saints. It's biblical. It's biblical. I respect that man of God right there. If he wants to get up and refute everything I'm saying, I'd not say a word. But I believe this, and this is the thought that I've got in my mind. There's no healing for the hurting because we refuse to do it God's way. I didn't mean to kill it. But we're talking about, when I said the power of a praying church, everybody's like, amen! But I wonder if we really want to pray in church. Because see, this is a sad reality, and I'm finished. We've come to the point in the day in which we live where we don't, and I'm just going to say it, I'm just going to say it because it's on my heart, preacher. We don't really have confidence in each other. Because, because maybe it's happened to somebody else, maybe it's happened to us, because, because we're afraid just to get honest. Number one, we're, we're full of pride. 
And we don't, we don't want anybody to think I've got a problem. Amen. I, I, I mean, we work our lives to convince everybody that we've got it all together and we don't have any issues and problems. But you know what? Me and that little lady sitting back there, sometimes we have problems. Amen. Amen. Sometimes our children give us problems. Amen. 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 Sometimes life throws us problems. And I believe we're sometimes so full of pride that we're not willing to stand. And that little 16-year-old girl, one little statement she made, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost eat my lunch on the front pew. And I got up and I came to this verse that night. And I said, I don't know who you are, young lady. But according to the Bible, I believe it would be a sin against God for me to try to preach. And not knowing what I know about the need of your life and not pray for you. Amen. You say you stopped the whole service for that little 16-year-old girl foster child? I sure did. Amen. And can I tell you something? When we got done, when I got done... Almost everybody in that church, except for about two people, was in the altar. I want to say something. I believe if we're going to do anything of eternal effect, it's going to be done through prayer. I know we got to. I know we got to count the cost. I know we got to ever do everything decent and in order. But this morning, there are people in this room that you battle and you fight and you struggle and you don't find the healing that you need. He said that you may be healed. You don't find the help that you need. You don't find the healing. Hey, we love it. We jump to that part. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I preached it all over this country. But when the Holy Ghost said, Son, there is a part you are missing. There is help and there is healing that people are not receiving because we are not willing to admit that we've got a problem. Church, I want to say this. God help us. And, and preacher, you know what I'm saying. I'm not talking about getting up and glorifying sin. I'm not talking about that. I think you know me. You know, you know me well enough. Nobody wants your nobody wants your dirty laundry. And I'm going to say this, nobody wants you to do it for attention. You ain't going to get, there's no fruit from that know-how. But I'm talking a broken heart. I'll be honest with you. And I'm going to tell you this, and I don't know how you want to close, but if it's all right, I'll go the invitation. I'll, I'll go to the piano and do the invitation preacher, but that's all right. That uh, woman sitting right back there, We've raised our children to serve God. And uh, my oldest has chosen not to do that. And my wife knows I've been burdened over her. I've been praying harder than I've prayed in a while. And I'll be honest with you, preacher, I've tried to keep a better attitude about it. Because it got to the point where when I'd just see her, I'd get angry. I was in meeting the other day. First time the Holy Ghost has done this to me. The Holy Ghost spoke to my heart and said, I want you to write her name down and give it to that preacher right there. And he pointed out the preacher to my heart. 
And can I tell you something? There's something rose up inside of me. And I thought, no. No, uh-uh. And what it was, it was pride. Because I didn't want him to think that I'd messed up as a daddy. And I'll be honest with you, Brother Gravely, I sat there. I mean, I, I left my Bible closed my hand. I mean, I, I, I was up in front of, I'll be honest with you, I was up in front of 2,000 people. Kept it all together. But in here, it wasn't together. And finally, the Holy Ghost just kept playing. And finally, I looked at the fellow sitting next to me. I said, you got a piece of paper. And he handed me a piece of paper. And I looked for, I didn't have a pen. I had to ask for paper and pen. And he handed me a pen. And the first time in my life, I never thought I'd ever... I wrote my daughter's name down and handed it to another preacher and said, would you please pray for my baby? And I went back over and I said, him. And that preacher broke. He just wept and cried. And he said, preacher, I will. And he grabbed me and prayed right then. And he said, I'll keep this and I'll pray. This is what I'm saying, church. We're not getting the healing that we need because we've lost confidence in the people that we sit on the pews with. I mean, they say, you know, there's things you need to bring to your pastor, but you won't do it because you're afraid he'll look at you different. A real man of God won't look at you no different. The Bible says... God's people will weep with those that weep. Amen. You want a powerful praying church? Can I say this? I, I didn't mean to mess nothing up today. But I'm telling you, we need God's power. But we need God's healing before we can have God's power. Amen. Father, I love you. And God, you know my heart. I wouldn't do nothing to hurt these people. And God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. God, I know there's people under, underneath the sound of my voice that's hurting. They're broken. They're wounded. God, they may be somebody just backslid. They just let sin have its dominion in their life. And they need your help. And God, I pray this morning that you'd move and you'd speak. And God, you'd do a work in this place that only you can. God, I thank God for 58 years. I thank God for 58 years. Dear God, if there's going to be 58 more, you're going to have to help your people. And your people are going to have to have help.